Alrighty, welcome in, y'all. Outboxed here on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on YouTube, on TikTok. Man, we are everywhere. I am Rick Strom, my co-host. Not just this day, but every damn day is Britton Harden. Hello, Britton. What's the word, Mr. Rick? You know what? I got a lot of words. I got a lot of feelings. I got a lot of thoughts. Mainly... Yeah. On Tiafimo Lopez. So he makes his debut at 140 pounds, right? Um, He overcomes the loss to George Cambosis. And he looked good against Pedro Campa. He did look good. Knocked him out in the seventh round. However, the one thing that is my main takeaway, and I know it's not fair, he had a long layoff, he's been going through some things, had a divorce, had a child, most importantly, moved up in weight and still looked good. The one thing that I noticed, and you could tell me if I'm wrong. Hit me. Not like Tiafimo. Careful now. But hit hit me. Well, here's the thing. If I were to hit you the way that Tiafimo hit you, it would take me a lot longer than I would expect to knock you out. I see what you're doing. <laughs> he hit Campa hard, all right? Mm-hmm. Let's let's not take anything away from Tiafimo. He whooped dude's ass, okay? He whooped his ass, which is mm-hmm. what he's supposed to do. Yeah. But those shots that he would land at 135, this dude would have been knocked out by, like, the third or fourth round. Yeah. It took him seven. For me, and I want to get your thoughts on this, but for me, it's concerning. Should I be concerned that it took that long for a guy who's known as basically like a pretty solid knockout artist to land good shots, but it took over half the fight in order to get it done? Yeah, I see what you're what you're alluding to. Um, I saw a lot of the same things in Tiafimo. Um, I thought first I want to give him his flowers, right? To come back from um, a loss, especially suffering the loss the way that he did, all the baggage that he brought into the last fight with Cambosis, um, the 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 physical ailment that he suffered where he almost died, he could have died, uh, and and it was unbeknownst to him or his team. That takes a lot of mental power to come back from, right? almost a sense of delusion. Um, So I want to give him his flowers for uh, being willing to step back into the ring, um, returning to winning form, uh, and and doing what he was supposed to do against a guy like Campa, right? We, we, we congratulate him for winning the fight, but there wasn't too much to, to take away, I think is what you're saying. And you probably had inflated expectations based on his past resume at 135. So to answer your question, I do think that that is, you know, somewhat of a a point of concern for me um, in the sense that, in the sense that so much of his identity at 135 pounds was built around him being this puncher, him having this power, right? And if he doesn't adapt to being more of a slick boxer, smart boxer, counter puncher, um, 
he can fall right back into what we saw happening to him in the Cambosis fight where he's mm-hmm. looking to load up, land one big shot, get his uh, opponent out of there, and that's just not going to work for him at 140 pounds. So, mm-hmm. you know, yes and no uh, if it's concerning, but only time will tell because the measuring stick that Campa presented isn't much of a measuring stick. Correct. And it was, I believe, his first fight outside of Mexico. Yeah. So he had an inflated record for a guy who had not fought in the States before. Right. Tiafimo has been battle-tested. Now, let me go back to something you said, because I just want to be very clear for the audience. I thought he looked good. Mm. I don't want to take anything away from Tiafimo. My main no. thing is, if you're known as the knockout artist, and usually you take care of business against guys who... I, I take nothing away from anybody, and, and many people know this. Anybody who steps in the ring gets our respect immediately. But when you're fighting a somewhat inferior opponent against Kampa, who took heavy shots in this fight, mm-hmm. I was just surprised. I thought yeah. I thought the weight would transfer a little bit better, mm-hmm. along with the power. Yo, and I don't think it did. So so listen, I, I have to I have to piggyback on that because I'm going to be honest with you. I thought that Tiafimo looked a lot smaller than I anticipated him looking in the oh, ring. I, I agree with that. Right? I thought that he would look a lot more filled out, um, and he didn't. He, you know, and 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 to that point, he only weighed I think 138.5 pounds. Um, so he didn't even max out at the 140 pound limit, which in some ways I do like because he's fighting where he's comfortable, mm-hmm. not fighting at the weight he thinks that he should be at. So as opposed to putting on more muscle or anything like that with a, an opponent that he could easily, you know, kind of figure out where he is at the weight class, he came in where he was comfortable. Right. And so I imagine that him and his team will make some adjustments based on that. If they go and fight, let's say, uh, Barboza mm-hmm. in December or someone above that, you know, stature. But I think that what we saw here in this fight was um, Tiafimo having fun, exercising his skills, seeing where he's at, and really getting the feel for the 140 pound um, weight limit. I think even his father said it. I told in the post fight interview, I wanted my son to come out here and entertain because we're entertainers, you know. So it, it, it's not saying the mindset of, you know, we have to take this guy overly serious. You know, I'm sure that they prepared to the best of their ability because they knew that they wanted to prove something coming off of the loss, but they also wanted to feed and play into the crowd a little bit too. And I think that's what we saw. Yeah, they definitely did. I mean, you saw the vintage Tiafimo of taunting his opponent, dancing in the ring. Um, he was feeling himself as well as yeah. he should be. Yeah. But to go to go back to something very quickly, and we're going to talk about future opponents next. We'll get into that in a moment. Mm-hmm. I truly believe if he doesn't, and he is a counterpuncher, he can go on the offensive, but he could also fight very well on the back foot. Yeah. What I think could be trouble for him is if he starts taking some heavier shots. I feel like he got hit with some good quality 140-pound shots three times, maybe. Yeah. He took like a legit shot to his face. There just wasn't much there. I 
I think it's good to get the rounds in. I think it's very important, especially when you're going up in weight because you just don't know. Practice makes perfect. Not that this mm -hmm. was a practice session, but practice makes perfect. You need to get yeah. the you need to get the rounds in. More importantly for Tiafimo. After having such a long layoff, it didn't look like he had any rust, which mm -hmm. is important. Secondly, and most importantly, you know this as a fighter, and we've heard countless interviews on this. Getting that loss out of the back of your head, whether you think about it or not, is incredibly important to an athlete's psyche. Because what, what were the headlines? Let's be real about this. What were the headlines and the stories that came out when Tiafimo lost? It was, oh, maybe he doesn't have it. Oh, mm -hmm. maybe he just can't make the win anymore. Oh, he really needs a win. He's desperate for a win. We got to see him get a win. Now he does it. And my other very quick side note to go back to that is I absolutely despise that. And I like that you said it. I like that we talked about it previously. But one thing that gets to me is he had a tear in his esophagus and he should not be living right now mm -hmm. in the Cambosis fight. I truly believe if he fights Cambosis at 100%, he probably wins. Yeah. It could have been Cambosis's night. Who knows? But all I'm saying is a guy who evaded death probably should be more than just like a footnote or forgotten whether it's on i'm, I'm not going to name any names or, or any websites but the fact is if there's a write-up of it that mm -hmm. should be in bold it should not be an asterisk to then go to the bottom of the article and then you see oh tfema lopez had a tear on his esophagus okay uh he had a quote afterwards via yahoo sports you've got to take your time because little by little those punches add up eventually it's going to hurt them it may not do it right away but in due time you'll get them out you need to trust in god and trust in the process mm. let's go with the two former uh the two previous sentences which are it's going to take more time i like that he's admitting to it however we're not used to seeing that that is not par for the course with us with tfemo yeah and that's why i'm just if i had to give one criticism right because no one is perfect it is that it took that long against a hittable object to not get him out yeah that's it that's my yeah. own critique yeah um man i didn't know that he had said that and now i think that that further proves the point that this was more of a, you know, a measuring stick fight. Where are we? Where are the power? Where's the power at 140? Where do I need to rely on the reflexes and the boxing ability more? And where can I really show out and, and let the power, uh, you know, do its thing like it used to at the weight class? Um, All right, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that he can be, even with this quote, do you think that he could even be a crafty enough boxer to go 12 rounds and get a decision with some of the best at 140. Okay. So let's look at the best at 140. Okay. The top dogs are Josh Taylor, Josh Taylor yep. Jose Ramirez, Regis Progray, Regis Progray, Zepeda. I suppose Jack Catterall because he pushed Josh Taylor. Okay. Jack Catterall. Uh -huh. um, Ryan, and I guess because of the star quality, but it's not, it's not ever going to happen. But if we're just no. throwing out 140, Ryan. No, I wouldn't even put Ryan at the best I of 140. I understand. I just said star quality, motherfucker. 
Yeah. I'm not saying he's up there with those guys. I think if he fought Regis, Regis would hurt him. <laughs> but, but I'm just saying star quality, name recognition, money, Ryan. All right. For the sake of this, I, we can put him up there. Ryan is a sure shot win for Tiafimo. <laughs> no, nah, listen. I, I, actually, I, got... I actually don't know. I, I right, think... right, right, right. Yeah, let, me, ahead, let, let, me, let me clarify. Go ahead. So I think that Ryan looks far better at 140 then Tiafimo looks at 140. That's, a, that's Th- difficult. Listen that's to difficult. what I'm... No, okay, no, no, okay, listen. Okay, okay, okay. Physically. Physically. When Ryan Ryan filled out at 140 much better than I thought he would. Because he's such a tall, slender kid. I thought that he would look tall and slender. Yes. He, looks, he looked jacked at 140. He looks like that's where he's supposed to be. And I said this. Not a Ryan Garcia hater. I think that that's where he should stay. I agree. If he's sucking himself down to 135 and he's not able to perform to the best of his ability and he looks the way he looked at 140, I think he should stay at 140. I agree. That said, a matchup between him and Tiafimo Lopez, which won't happen for a number of different reasons in the immediate future, um, I think that Tiafimo probably has better he has a better skill set at any weight class um but tiafimo probably has i mean ryan probably has better one punch power at 140 than tiafimo lopez does that said it's gonna take ryan garcia more to land that one shot against somebody like tiafimo than it would take for tiafimo to land his one shot or two shots or three shots to hurt ryan you, you understand what I'm saying? Of course. I think that I think Tiafimo lands his three shots before Ryan lands his one. Who's better defensively? I think that's what it comes down to. Because both guys are so potent offensively. Yeah. Defensively, I would take Tiafimo. Yeah, obviously. I, I think a lot. I, I think actually when he, and this was part of the like being battle tested. He allowed himself to go into the corner. Mm-hmm. So he could test himself defensively, and yeah. he did not sink. He swam in that Pedro yeah. Campa fight. And Campa was throwing good punches. These were qu- – I, I said it previously. These were quality 140-pound punches that Tiafimo hasn't seen before. They were thrown with a fury. And when he was in the corner, he looked good. Yeah. He looked really good defensively. So if we yeah. were to go – I think what is the most important uh, header – you could say, or category rather. The most important mm-hmm. category, if they were to ever meet, is defense. Ryan has shown that he's susceptible. I mean, you, you saw with the Luke Campbell knockdown. But Tiafimo, I think, uh, taking the shots from Cambosis when, again, he was technically drained mm-hmm. and he still went the full 12. And then uh, evading a lot of the shots that were thrown. When he was in New York, I think his defense is superior to Ryan. Yeah, for sure. He boxes a lot more with his waist, which opens up those counter punch, those big uppercuts or those hooks that he likes to land. If he misses that straight right hand, typically he's coming right behind it with a really sharp straight left jab. But it's almost like a up jab slash uppercut. The one that actually knocked Kampa down. Mm -hmm. That's a very powerful punch because he's putting his entire velocity into it. And... His reflexes, the one thing that I don't like in a matchup against somebody like Ryan Garcia is Ryan is really good at catching you when you're trying to cut distance, right? 
he's not that he doesn't have the fastest feet so ryan will plant his feet and in order to to take advantage of you having to cut distance he tries to time you with a really good check left hook coming inside that shot will obliterate you if it lands to the head and if he's coming forward he tends to land that shot to the body i think that's what i've noticed the left hand is going to hurt you if you're coming forward and he catches you on the chin but when he's walking to you with that peekaboo guard mm -hmm. he's really not trying to land the left hook upstairs he's really trying to land it to the body that's his setup that being said tiafimo lopez because he doesn't have the longest arms relies on his reflexes and he leaves his feet to throw punches sometimes mm -hmm. so he'll he'll lunge in with a big left hook or he'll try and land a big uppercut um you know and he'll leave his feet to do it to cut the distance and i don't know if ryan is seasoned enough to catch somebody as fast and explosive as as tiafimo but if he's learning that's what he's banking on to beat somebody like that and that's also the skill set that he will use to beat somebody like tank davis except Tank doesn't typically leave his feet to land his punches. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. One thing that I'll uh, comment on real quick, and then we'll move forward, is I know you were talking about how you were talking about the foot speed, right? Mm -hmm. One thing that I do notice with Ryan is when an opponent is throwing punches, he does not get out of range. It looks like he is stuck. Yeah. And especially when he throws, he throws and he stands right there. So mm -hmm. he is easily, easily countered, and that plays into Tiafimo's game. Well, that's Ryan's gift and his curse. Like I said, he has to plan his seat. Think back to what Danny Garcia does, right? When Danny, before he was at 54, would plant his feet and wait for you to come at him, when you think that he's typically going to back up and give inches, he's not giving. He's standing there planting his feet and he's trying to time you coming in to hurt you with a big shot. That's similar to Ryan's game. Ryan knows that he doesn't have quick feet. He's probably not going to establish quick feet. So he's relying on his power. When you come in, he's going to meet you with those shots. And I don't know if you wanted to uh, circle back to this, but if you look at the top, you know, guys at 140 pounds, I don't think that there's a tough, I don't think that there's a soft touch for Tiafimo at 140, right? Not in that top rank, not in that top rank camp. When you say I soft think, touch, you mean easy opponent? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I don't think there's any easy opponents. The easiest opponent he's going to get is going to be Barboza or Zepeda. And those aren't soft touches whatsoever. I'm I saying agree. that with much respect to them, that, that Tiafimo Lopez has an – he has a – he has a way to get to, to titles at 140 pounds and do and say – do what he says he wants to do at 140, and that's – you know, scoop up a majority of the belts, right? What I imagine is going to happen is this. I imagine that Regis Progray is probably going to beat Zepeda. I imagine he's going to pick up that WBC strap, mm -hmm. and he'll probably do a three-fight deal with top rank, which includes him having the opportunity to fight Tiafimo Lopez. Mm -hmm. I think Tiafimo Lopez is going to fight Barboza next in December, and if he comes through that, I think he'll have a shot at either Regis Progray for the title, for the WBC title, or the winner of Jack Catterall and Josh Taylor. That's what I the, think he's eyeing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So either way, he has an opportunity to scoop up a majority of those titles at 140 pounds. Ryan does not over at Golden Boy. So he'll have the softer touches. 
Right. But there are no soft touches for Teofimo Lopez. Right. I agree with all that. One thing that I want to get back to is a quote that he gave, mm-hmm. which is, we want Josh Taylor. We want Regis Progre. We want Zepeda. That's what we want. This is via ESPN. We want to be a two-division world champ. I take all them boys and take all their dreams away. I'm here to be their nightmare. I understand what he's saying. I think confidence is key in this sport. The path you outlined isn't bad, but I start at the very beginning, which is Barboza. Mm -hmm. I don't think he wants it. Barboza was there ringside at Mm -hmm. the Camp of Tiafimo fight. Tiafimo did not mention his name once, in my view, strategically. Yeah. Because I think whether he beats him or not, I just don't think it's a fight that he wants because it could be somewhat dangerous. Let's yeah. say he let's say he were to get past, it's like, oh, will he beat Barboza? The casuals are gonna say, like Edison. <laughs> yeah. Like I personally, from a business standpoint, would be like, fuck it, no. Let, let's go for the top guys. You want the top guys? Let's go for the top guys. Yeah. Why are we wasting our time with a Barboza? Yeah, the, the division is jam-packed. There are so many names out there. In my view, if I were managing Tiafimo, Barboza's like six on the list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. personally what's going to happen is Josh Taylor is going to beat Jack Catterall's ass. He's going to study him. He's going to see the flaws, and he might knock him out, I'd say, in 9 or 10. Then from there, it's, well, who do you want? A lot has to shake out, but if I were Tiafimo, he's very confident against Josh Taylor. I'd like to see him get his feet wet a little bit more, but if I were managing him, I'd go from Taylor in the top down. I would not go to Barboza next. So the problem in that is that he's already signed up to fight in December, Mm -hmm. Heisman Trophy night. So if Jack Catterall and uh, Josh Taylor are busy and Regis Progray and Cepeda have business Mm -hmm. and those two fights are for, okay, so the WBC is up for for the Regis Progray-Zepeda fight. The IBF, and the what is it the wbo are up for the um josh taylor fight Mm -hmm. and he relinquished the wba yeah Mm -hmm. so what i imagine is going to happen is they're going to give zapata i mean they're going to give tiafimo an opportunity to win a pick up a strap against barboza Mm -hmm. that's going to be top ranks carrot to get him to fight him on uh heisman trophy night he does not want to fight Barboza. And all things, con- all things considered, to your point, you laid out all the reasons why it's not a good fight. High risk, very low reward, unless that vacant title that nobody is, is you know, uh, claiming right now. Uh, you say, listen, your second fight at the weight class, you have an opportunity to pick it up. It fast tracks you to fight the winner of Regis Progray and Zepeda. And then after that, if Josh Taylor wants to stay, you can unify with him. Or if he leaves, we'll find you another opponent to fight for that belt, right? Mm. He's going to end up fighting uh, Barboza for that title in December. Probably. Um, As you said, Progray and Zepeda, uh, the winner gets the vacant title. Boxing scene 
wrote of Tiafimo's next opponents. Uh, the winner of Progre Zapata, Barboza, Jose Ramirez, and Ryan Garcia. Here is where, and this is no disrespect, but here is where this one moment loses me. Are you ready? Hit me. Bleacher Report. Top mm-hmm. five opponents for Tiafimo Lopez. Okay. I'm going to hit you with it. Number one is Ryan Garcia. Number two, Josh Taylor. Mm-hmm. Number three, Regis Progre. Mm-hmm. Number four, Javante Tank Davis. Number five, oh, that's your face for number four. <laughs> number five, Adrian Broner. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, they're reaching. That's such a reach. That is such a reach. Um, not the list I would have made. No, obviously. of course not. Um, so the last two are problematic for a lot of reasons. I understand why you know they're 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 throwing Tank's name in the mix because he fought at 140 pounds. But people have to understand of that move the Tank made um, under the. Uh, you know, the tutelage of Mayweather promotions was that there were no other real opportunities for him at 135 pounds. There were no real opportunities. So why don't you go and fight a a B-level fighter, pick up a strap at 140, claim a belt, um, get some more, I guess what you call it, real estate in the boxing game, mm-hmm. um, and then drop back, one, back drop down to 135 and, and try to reign supreme there. Point being, that was an opportunity that came due to lack of options, not because he really wants to campaign there right now. Not in my estimation. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem, <laughs> no pun intended, with the Adrian Broner fight is that Adrian Broner is the problem. Hey, it's Rick. We just want to give a special thank you for supporting our show and our vision on the world of boxing. Now don't be like Curtis Harper and show up without contributing, y'all. Drop us a follow. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review. Tell us how awesome and handsome we are if you want to. And let's build this great community from the ground up. We love you and appreciate you. See you next time.